0: She's the leading U.S. Senate candidate in New Jersey. Christine serrano Glasner. Sketch comedy on the way from Jason Headley. We also go tripping in Times Square. And we unveil the song of 2023 later this hour. And now, live from Times Square where the mayor tries to outsmart the bus drivers, but no one can ever outsmart the pizza rats. Here's the... Thank you, Dave. Uh, Hour number two of our season
1: premiere underway. And yes, Mayor Adams threatening bus drivers to uh,
0: if they drop off uh, passengers in the city without going through his protocols. They said, huh, we'll drop them off in New Jersey. What do you think of that? Let's get to the news.
1: Assignment Desk Weekend. I'm Kevin McCullough. This week, the names of those who flew to Jeffrey Epstein's island have been released. Whoopi Goldberg from The View admitted in advance of the release that her name was likely on the list. Hence, her very personal and pleading request for co host Sonny Hostin to release this statement.
2: Wednesday's release marks the first set of documents related to the case to become unsealed. My understanding is that more are anticipated to be revealed in coming days. What's important for us to note is we shouldn't be repeating names that are on the list because just because your name has not on the list, but in the documents, just because your name is on the documents doesn't mean that you have done anything criminally irresponsible or illegal or civilly irresponsible or oh, that you were a client or that you were a client. Right. It only really these documents as I read them only reflect Epstein's sexual assaults of women mm-hmm. and his sexual behavior. So I, I think that he, and Ghislaine also and Ghislaine oh.
1: <laughs> did you see that she said don't name names because it would be irresponsible, especially for Whoopi Goldberg sitting here at the table. And then Joy Behar, good old Joy. You mean like Ghislaine? Don't name names like Ghislaine? Ghislaine! <clears throat> Sorry. The Summit Desk Weekend also has learned that the names of another handful of uh, Presidential Medal of Honor recipients during the Obama years uh, were also included on the list, including Bob De Niro, Bill Gates... Ellen, uh, Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, Babs, and even, uh, Mr. Spielberg and, uh, the big O Oprah herself. Now, all of whom have also lost their ever loving minds because when the list was released, a certain former president's name was nowhere on any of the documents. The shortest-serving president of Harvard University is now claiming she had fallen victim to a well-laid trap that ended her term. Assignment Desk Weekend rates her claim as possibly true, which is not what anyone can say about the now more than 24 specific instances of plagiarism that have been found in her own work. Well-laid trap indeed. According to two new surveys, Americans are worried that deep fakes will manipulate the election of 2024. The surveys also seem to indicate that this is the case because of the manipulation that took place in 2020 and gave us a deep fake president. Speaking of Joe Biden, officials in his party have colluded to keep all other candidates off the ballot In North Carolina, wait, deepfake, Joe, off the ballot. Uh, they, They want them off the ballot for this year's presidential primary in North Carolina. And the president's party has complied. Because nothing screams that you're the one protecting democracy like only allowing voters to have one choice to vote from. Experts are predicting that 2024 will bring with it the biggest crash in our lifetime. The media earlier this week wrongfully reported that they thought this statement was related to the economy. In reality, the experts were referring to ballot totals for Joe Biden this coming November in states that have passed election integrity reforms. Because he had a whole bunch and then and passed the reforms and, I'm not going to be a whole bunch anymore. Anyway, and finally, the mayor of Denver, a Democrat, is calling for a nationally coordinated effort to stem the migrant crisis. Now, Denver's a blue city. He's a Democratic mayor. Okay, so since he's a Democrat and likely he was educated in public schools by unionized teachers, he may not have gotten any history lessons. So Assignment Desk Weekend, where we love history, would like to assure the Denver mayor's Heart and conscience that such an effort, what kind of effort? A nationally coordinated effort to stem the migrant crisis, such a nationally coordinated effort is underway. It's called the elections of 2024. And we start voting in nine days. For Assignment Desk Weekend, I'm Calvin McCullough.
3: If it's Friday in New York City, then what day of the week is it in Mexico? Friday. Wait. Tuesday. Yes, you almost messed up. What country is the Panama Canal in? You know this. I think Colombia. No, China. What country is Hawaii in?
2: What? I don't know.
3: Guess the country. Give me your best guess. No wrong answers.
2: Bro, I dead don't know. Um, I don't know. I can't even guess what, cause I really no. Wait,
3: guess a country. Guess a country. what country that it's in. Mm,
2: I can't even guess. I really don't know.
3: What country did the Vietnam War happen in? Yes. What is 100 minus 17? I have no idea, 75? Yes, good. Do you know what uh, two countries border the USA? Um, Mexico. Yeah. Oh, I said Mexico. I mean, uh, Texas. Good, and one more. Um, Texas and Florida. Yes, good. You almost messed up. No. That would have been bad. What ocean touches the eastern part of the USA? I have no idea. G- guess, guess an ocean. Um, the eastern ocean. <laughs> yes, very good. Two countries border the USA. It in Mexico and Texas. Yes. Do you know who the first female vice president was um, that we've had in the country? I'm going to go with Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Yes,
2: good. There's all this pressure, you know, and sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and... I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop.
3: Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head.
0: It is not about the nail.
2: I don't know what it is, and I'm not sleeping very well at all, and all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them.
3: Yeah, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on, if you would just... Don't...
0: with us our countdown to the song of the year continues it's that kevin show from new york it's that kevin show See, i knew it uh come on cab what's a few classified documents between friends i told you i told you all the time i knew it i knew he had some too here he is
1: that Kevin,
0: Kevin McCullough.
1: And my next guest is the front runner for the GOP Senate nomination in the Garden State. And since it's an election year, we're going to start talking about electoral races much more so. You know that about every two and four years, Kevin McCullough gets you know somewhat political in uh, the coverage that I um, uh, cover. And I'm very, very pleased to welcome my next guest because she's a former mayor. Uh, She is someone who has worked in the private sector, and now she wants to be a part of the body, the most deliberative legislative body on planet Earth, the U.S. Senate, uh, trying to take the place of Mr. Menendez, who will most likely not be returning to the U.S. Senate uh, in 2024. Her name is Christine Serrano-Glasner, and she joins us. Hello, Christine. Hello,
2: Kevin. How are you? It's One minor suit. correction. I'm still a mayor. Oh, sorry. Don't want to take the <laughs> no. day job away. <laughs> well, I, didn't, uh, I didn't want people to worry.
1: Yeah. And you know what? It's important that uh, people understand that because when sometimes, particularly in states where Republicans have not fared well, the the thought is, well, they run a lot of just private citizens that sometimes don't mount very serious efforts. And then they end up not really knowing what they're doing in the public sector, trying to run up against A machine like the New Jersey Democrats. And so it is important for people to know that you're in elective office, you've been successful as a mayor, you are doing uh, what you have pledged to do, but now you have an opportunity to represent the entire state. And for those of you listening that, you know, are not political junkies the reason that the Senate seat is so much more important is that the House of Representatives was designed to represent the individual citizens of a region. That's why the districts are small. That's why they have to get out and campaign and go door to door, etc. The Senate is a deliberative body that gives an equal voice for each of the states that are represented in the United States Senate. So, the power of the of a U.S. senator to speak more broadly for all of its citizens in its state is is maximized. But then there's also an impact that that Senate seat has on all of the rest of the 50 states. And so, Christine, understanding that that job changes a lot, you know, as a mayor, you're a CEO. You kind of have things that you have to to get done on you know on on budget, on time for the uh, for this uh, municipality to uh, proceed. The Senate is a very different animal. What 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 attracted you to this position?
2: Well, it's important for New Jersey. I think it's also important for people to know that I have a greater background in government. I was a senior vice president in economic development for New York State, and then I was regional advocate for the Small Business Administration. I dealt with a lot of regulatory and policy issues. So I have that background. I understand the Senate. I even worked down in Washington for a short stint. It's Critical that we return integrity more than anything back to this seat because that's what we've lost. And I believe people have lost their faith in public service. I'd say to people all of the time, people need to understand this is a job. People have elevated the US Senate to being celebrityism, to being a place of a power center, to being a place where people go and make a lot of money. Wrong. This is a job, and our job is to serve the public. It's public service, not self-service. And that is what it's become. Under Bob Menendez, it's become complete and total self-service, and we need to return it back to what it is, take the power away from that position, and return it to the people. This job, as a U.S. senator, should be coming and speaking to people in this state on a regular basis and understanding exactly what people are going through, what families are, are challenged with, what seniors are challenged with, I think one of the things that we've seen in a state like New Jersey is you raise children here and then they go to college and then they can't get jobs here or they can't afford to live here or they can't afford to buy a home. We need to fix that and we need to fix it at the national level for everybody so that young people can return to their home states, can return to a wonderful state like New Jersey. That's my goal. That's why I'm running. And I do have I have the experience, but more importantly, I have the energy And I have the work ethic and I have the reputation for delivery. And this is why I want to do this for New Jersey, for the people.
1: I've said for a long time, and people that have listened to me know this, that senators tend to make very poor candidates for president. Um, And senators that become president end up kind of not really doing very well uh, legislatively and kind of agenda wise, because the job of a CEO, which is what a governor or a mayor or a president is, is very different than the, the Senator's job, which is deliberating, passing legislation, building coalitions, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I've always thought in reverse that former CEOs make great senators. Um, you've, been in the private sector, you've been in the public sector, you're now a CEO of a of a, villa, of a municipality. Talk to me about how your executive experience parlays into representing your state.
2: Well, more importantly than anything is the exe- when you're an executive, when you're a leader, communication is key on all levels. You need to be able to communicate your message concretely so that people understand it, but you need to be able to listen. And you need to be able to merge those two things. And that is my area of expertise, frankly, is really listening to people, listening to what they need, listening to what they want, but making sure that our plans are based on need. It's the same thing in the U.S. Senate. And it's really where the Senate needs to return, Mm. is to making sure that we're providing for people what they need for a future. My biggest concern with this Biden administration is there's no plan. You, you see the economy right now. They've had a plan for green energy and climate. They've had a plan for DEI, but nothing else. No plan for the economy. Certainly no plan for the border. We see that every single day. Record-breaking numbers coming over in December, 300,000 people. We don't even have a stadium in New Jersey that holds 300,000 people. I don't know any stadium that does. There's a stadium in Texas that holds 80,000 people. So can you imagine the number of folks that have come in and – The need for taxpayers to have to support these people now, they have to be fully supported. There's a point in time when something like the border or uh, the economy or crime that's completely out of control in every city and in many states, and it's getting worse, has to be reeled in. And that starts at a policy basis with the Senate. With the House, but most certainly with the Senate, yeah. and they need to take—they need to step up and take greater leadership roles. I think sometimes they get caught up too much in the minutia, and they need to think as leaders and think about what people need for the long term. That's that's my goal. That's my goal is well, is in, to return that to the in, Senate.
1: In such a closely divided Senate, um, flipping a seat from the Democrats to the Republicans would give uh, a great deal of. Um, emphasis for your voters to come out and to support you and understand that the agenda has the potential to literally be your race that makes the difference for control of the body let me let me go back to something you said though um and then we'll take a break if you don't have time to uh, fully answer it before we take that first break but you said that the the job in in the way people have represented it uh particularly bob menendez has uh, turned, it's morphed into more of a power play, more of a a personal aggrandizement, if you will. When we come back, let's talk about the defining difference between you and them uh, when we uh, continue. Uh, It's Christine Serrano-Glasner. She's running for the GOP nomination for the U.S. Senate seat in New Jersey. Very happy to have her with us. Ready or not, you'll be right back. Color. And we're back from Times Square. It's Kevin McCullough. Glad to have you with us. Um, Christine Serrano-Glassner is my guest. And, Christine, we were talking about corruption. When you think of the Biden years, what the history books will write about this period of time, corruption will be the subtext of everything they did on just about every level of policy and actions that they took. Uh, there's no better description for the Biden administration than America Last." Uh, and Bob Menendez certainly uh, demonstrated that, and he predated the administration uh, in the United States Senate. In fact, I believe the way he even came to power, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, he sits in the Torricelli seat, which was a big shell game to get someone in, into the position that wasn't actually really nominated or elected to get there. So having said that and seeing, seeing the charges that he's been you know, now laid with uh, at, the, at the seat of the uh, ethics committee – uh, the the Democratic Party in your state, New Jersey, has a chance to do a clean slate, start over, no corruption, no no dirty play at all. They couldn't even get out of the gate with that. Explain.
2: Well, it, you know, it's very simple. And if people were paying attention, there was yet a new indictment for Bob Menendez in the last couple of days. And this has to do with the, the country of Qatar. He apparently has taken bribes. And look at that connection. I've been making this connection I I don't know what it is. Somebody's going to have to unwind this, but you take Bob Menendez, who's been the chair of our Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Mm. Now there's accusations that he has taken bribes from Qatar or on behalf of Qatar to benefit them. And Qatar is the country that has been hosting and protecting the leaders of Hamas. Yep. It's too messy. It smells to the heavens. And it's that kind of governing that has to go away, must be cleaned up. So if you look at the folks that are running here in New Jersey for that seat, they've been involved with this for years. The governor's wife, even in 2018, the last time that Menendez was gold bar Bob, right? The last time he was up against charges, she donated to him thousands of dollars. He has been held in this position so that they could maintain this power, right? So that they can keep this power. This is what's important to them. And this is what's going on again. They need to maintain that seat. The fortunate thing is they're going to have a primary on their side because not everybody is too pleased with the fact that, I'm sorry, but Governor Murphy is once again trying to purchase this seat. It's wrong and it's not the way it should happen. The way well, I have been campaigning is, sorry, is literally through grassroots county by county, town by town, and even if it is a Senate seat and you've got to cover the whole state, then that's what I plan on doing. And I will continue to do that. It's a lot of work, but, you know, it's a labor of love. You get a chance to really get out and meet people and talk to people and hear what their concerns are. That's what needs to happen here in New Jersey. I said it before, it's got to be about returning the power to the people, and that's how we start.
1: I want to go back to what you said because, um, the governor's wife is a declared candidate, and right out of the chute, um, there was the appearance of impropriety, that uh, they were using taxpayer money to basically launch her campaign and bring influence by name recognition for her to radio ads that she had never before <laughs> voiced for the state. And all of a sudden, there she was, uh, Tammy Murphy, on radio uh, talking about policy on, on state-funded uh, campaign ads.
2: Correct. Right. And, and we called them out on that very quickly. I got calls from people even after we called them out saying I've never heard her do radio programs like this, radio ads. And they had to admit themselves. They said, well, you know, this would plan, was planned before. And I thought to myself, she didn't just suddenly decide to run for the U.S. Senate. They planned that at the same time that she was talking about running for the U.S. Senate. So they full well knew Had it not been wrong, they wouldn't have taken those ads down. And they did take them down right away. They needed to. However, she continued to do public appearance for that same organization that she was launching. And I think they thought nobody was was paying attention, but I certainly was. It is absolutely using the office of the governor to run for this seat. And it's wrong. It's interesting because the governor even came out with a statement and said, she's going to have to run on her own back. She's going to have to, you know, go county by county. None of that's happening. I, Because everybody calls me and tells me what's going on. He's the one who's spending an awful lot of time running her race. He's calling people left and right. He's, you know, I hate to say it, but from the sounds of it, maybe even twisting arms and saying to people, you're either going to support her or, you know, there could be a price to pay. I don't know what that is. I'm not even making a suggestion, but it's what people call me and tell me. It needs to be done the right way right? People need an opportunity to really not just be handed a candidate once again who's going to work for their own agenda. We need to start taking care of the people and running this race that way, right? Person by person, town by town, county by county.
1: Christine serrano Glassman, hold that thought. We're coming right back. Kevin McElp from New York. Ready or not, he will be right back.
0: Back to that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. Welcome back. Glad to have you with us in
1: 2024. Going to have a lot more of these conversations. Uh, Christine Serrano-Glassner could be the 51st vote in the U.S. Senate if uh, this next election uh, goes successful for her. And certainly it would be a devastating loss to the uh, National Democratic Party to lose a state, uh, to lose a Senate seat, particularly from a state as blue as New Jersey. Uh, But, Christine, let me ask you about that. Um, You know, I spend a lot of time in New Jersey. There's a lot of people that have really common sense values that are not down with the uh, electric car for every garage uh, mandate that uh, the current administration seems to have put forward. And they're looking for common sense leadership. What are the people of New Jersey telling you that they want and what are your solutions to the problems that they face? Well, number
2: one is the economy that is really, really impacting people and people are looking down the road at how that's going to further impact them and their children's future. This administration has not put a plan in place. And that's my strongest uh, view of this. Number one, we need to work on the economy. Bidenomics are is obviously not working. It's certainly not working for everybody. It might be working for the elite, the upper echelon, but not everybody else. Then the you know the agenda is pretty obvious. It lays itself out. You look at the border, it's completely out of control. Once again, there's no plan. We need to curb that in. And when you curb that in, what will happen is you're gonna curb in fentanyl, which is killing hundreds of thousands of Americans a year, right? It's an open fentanyl highway that they've created. They shut down on day one, Biden came in and he shut down the oil pipeline and he opened up the fentanyl pipeline that needs to be shut down immediately, as soon as possible. And you can only do that if you start to curb and shut down that border. Hmm. Crime is out of control in this country. We need to give power back to our police. We need to give respect back to our police. This whole defund the police has had a significant effect on cities and towns, and people are waking up and seeing that. And that crime that normally would have just been in the cities is now coming out to the suburbs and smaller towns. And so people are really waking up and saying, aha, you know what, this isn't working. Getting back to the economy for a second, it's very simple, energy. That was the other first thing that they did was they really said, we're gonna limit all these things. You talk about the electric car, there's no long-term plan. They don't know how they're gonna provide. Our electric grid could not possibly provide for all of this mandating that people have to buy something that they can't afford and five years from now they're not going to be able to afford what's the answer right they have to be able to get around somehow we're not putting money and efforts into public transportation so we need to look at all of these pieces but certainly we need to go it's got to be all of the above on energy I, i believe that we need some green energy we absolutely do but can't exist solely on green energy If you look at some of these meetings that have taken place over the summer and these concessions that the United States has made on carbon footprint, what you see is that other countries like China, they're not making any concessions. Hmm. We've shut down our coal industry. China, China's opening up hundreds of coal plants. All we're doing is switching all of these jobs and profits over there. We need to look at all of these avenues because what do people want at the end of the day? They want to have a roof over their head. They want to have a job. They want to be able to have, if they have a family, they want to raise that family. They want to know that their own children have a future that potentially can go to college or go into a trade or open up their own business. And then they want to know that there's an opportunity for them to retire and maybe even retire in their own state like New Jersey, Mm -hmm. wonderful New Jersey, instead of everybody fleeing to other states like Florida and Texas. These are the things that we need to focus on, and this is the agenda rights itself based on the disaster that's been going on in this country, and that's what I will focus on. Policies that are sound and logical policies that have long-term plans, not pass something right now because we need it right now. What's the effect down the road? That's my goal, and that's what I will work on. That's my background, and it'll be
1: my pleasure to help deliver that and improve quality of life for people right here in New Jersey. An actual problem solver in public office. What a th- what a foreign concept uh, to the uh, to the entire idea. I want to I want to ask you about that specifically though, because um, let's fast forward a bit and presume that um, Mr. Trump gets the nomination, uh, gets into office. You have a house that's tightly divided, but maybe a, a Republican majority. And if you pick up your seat, it could be a very tight Senate divide. One of the things I think that a Trump administration will want to focus on is not just uh, reducing the tax burden, some of those ideas, but also deregulating a lot of the things that the Biden administration has put into place. His economic policy is kind of twofold to it, right? So you've got the actual tax policy, and then you have all of the chokeholds that he puts on small businesses Just to comply with the, uh, you know, the the regulations that costs small companies, small businesses, enormous amounts of capital. What is your approach to regulation, particularly as it impacts the small business owner?
2: Well, you know, Kevin, adding to that, one of the things that's happening right now is the uh, minimum wage is going up. And so you take those regulatory burdens that are placed on smaller businesses. And I, I, and there's, now you... there's a lot
1: of them. I mean, I don't want people to miss this. There's an excess of 2000 regulations that the Biden administration has put on small businesses since they came into office. That's a lot of complaints. Correct.
2: And on top of that, the tax cuts that came in the Trump administration are now sunsetting. So yeah. you've got the excess regulation. You've got sunsetting tax breaks and you've got an increase in minimum wage perfect storm for businesses to start going out of business. One of the things, if you look at the job numbers, you've had a huge reduction in manufacturing jobs. There have not, mm-hmm. there's not been growth in manufacturing. That's a direct result of the over-regulatory burdens that have been hitting them. The only growth you've seen is really in government jobs. That's a direct result of this overreach by the government. and they, they talk government. about it
1: like it's some sort of gift to, to mankind. You mentioned the tax cuts, and yes, those are coming to a sunset. If Congress and a new president can't do something about them. Um, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're in big favor of the child tax credit, which is among those that would be uh, sunsetting and would impact every single family in the state of New Jersey.
2: Well, the most important thing about that is it impacts folks that are struggling, Mm -hmm. folks that, you know, maybe are only making that minimum wage and are trying to raise children.
1: Christine Slano-Glasner, best wishes on your run.
2: Thank you, Kevin.
1: It's been a pleasure. Kevin McKellar coming right back from New York. Ready or not, he'll be
3: right back.
0: a no drink minnow. it's that
1: cabin that show she broke every record for everything she touched in all of 2023 including the most number of votes ever received for the number one spot on the new music spotlight with your number one song from 2023 taylor swift people dream
3: high in the quiet of the
1: was simply her year she set new box office records new attendance records she had five albums on the billboard top 100 no one's ever done that before and that song which was released several years ago was the number one song of the year for her taylor swift is her name she was one of the four finalists uh, phil wickham olivia lane selena gomez all finishing in the top four but Taylor Swift is your artist for 2023. And you know what? We start all over again. Last January, we began a long journey that brought us to here. Now, 2024 search for the new music spotlight is underway. We'll see you next time.